right, here we go, live, back in action, streaming through your internet on Spreaker Radio. This is the 49ers Brawl Podcast. This show is presented by the Brawl Network, covering everything NFL at NFL Brawl on Twitter. My name is Jason Fearman on Twitter as well, at SportsProfit1. That's the number one. And with me is my brand new co-host, as I am blessed to be with Jacob Bonner. You can find him on Twitter at JBB Football. Jacob, my friend, my podcasting partner, happy new year to you. And what a way to kick off the new year with the first episode of the 49ers Brawl Podcast, baby. Happy new year, man. I'm excited. There's no better way to start 2020 than with a brand new podcast, talking about the best team in football and talking about how we're going to go all the way. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to put it out there, but you never know. Hey, listen, you know, I'm already thinking rematch of 2012. You know, that's the last thing on my mind is that game. So, you know what? The Ravens are looking good. We'll get into that another time a little bit later. But, yeah, this is all about the 49ers, man. Look, if you love football, this is the place to be. If you love the 49ers, this is really the place to be because we get in knee deep on this stuff on this show, Jacob. Yeah, man, this is it. This is the place to be. We're going to be talking deep dive. We're going to be talking everything. Though. We're going to be talking who we want to play, who we don't want to play. It's going to be a lot, in get, lot get to get to. But why don't we start off with ourselves? It's the first episode. Why don't we give them a little background of ourselves? So why don't you start us off, Jason, how you became a Niners fan, how you became to, to get on this podcast. Just a, a little background. Well, thank you, good sir. I do appreciate that. And, yes, yeah, since we're going to be talking about everybody else, especially those in uniform on the field, we must talk about ourselves for a couple of seconds. Look, the way I became a 49ers fan is really simple and funny at the same time. Jacob, I, I know I didn't tell you, but um, my father is the biggest front runner that has ever lived. It doesn't matter who's winning. That's who he's rooting for. What state, what country, it don't matter. So I'm born in 1980. I'm almost 40 years old, by the way. I can't believe it. Born in 1980, the 49ers win four Super Bowls in the 80s. Bam, I'm a 49ers fan, of course. He bails. You know, he leaves. He becomes like a Cowboys fan, a Patriots fan, a Packers, all that stuff. But I stuck with my team. And let me tell you something. Even though I'm from New York, bro, the the 49ers above the the New York Mets and above the New York Knicks, who I also love. Those are my teams in uh, basketball and baseball. Football, because I love it so much, and I love the 49ers like my family. Not one of them knows my name, and that's okay, but I know them all, and I feel like they're my family, and I've lived and died with them, and have really, in my youth, only enjoyed that one Super Bowl that Steve Young won. Now, I remember the Montana days, but I was very young at that time, so to go through everything we've gone through and to stick through with the Niners, I'll never leave them, man. Yeah, I think that, look. Yeah, you can you can talk about how you know maybe your dad's a little bit bandwagon <laughs> team, but I respect the fact that you stuck with it. And like you say, you only seen that one Super Bowl. That was the year I was born. Funnily enough, that ah. Super Bowl '94. And uh, yeah, you got there's a little bit of respect because things haven't been so good recently, especially not the last twenty years, probably. So yeah, that's it's uh, there's a, we can have some respect for the fact that you stuck with them because. My story is kind of, kind of similar in the fact that I just stuck with them after not much bringing me to them. Really, I'm from the UK, so there's not that story of you know I grew up there. They're a local team. There's no local team for me. So I start getting into football about 2010. I think was the first season I was properly watching it. So it's been about 10 years. And when I was younger, 
my dad worked abroad a fair bit and his head office was in San Francisco. Ah. So I'd get these like <clears throat> San Francisco themed gifts back when he comes back. And some of it was Niner stuff okay. from when I was a kid. So when I start watching it, I find, well, I've already got some Niner stuff. I'm going to watch a Niner's game. I watched the game. It was back. Alex Smith was the QB. All right. We won the game. And I was like, okay, I'll stick with this. And just stuck with it ever since. And I think we went like 6-10 and 10 that year or maybe the year after. I can't really remember. Well, that's what I was yeah. going to say, Jacob. I mean, even more props to you because you came in at a time when we really weren't that good. You know, Alex Smith was just starting to get good at that time. But we haven't won anything since you were a fan. So even more props oh. to you for sticking with him. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, it wasn't so good. And then it got good. It got pretty good very quickly. And then, yeah, maybe we don't talk about the last – last uh, five years or so <laughs> uh, in terms of the brawl network i got in, i got involved with the brawl network as this season at the start of the season i embarked on a journey around the nfl where i attempted to visit every single nfl stadium in a world record time and watch a full game at each of them i did that in 12 weeks or 84 days starting on opening night in chicago for bears packers unreal and i finished on Thanksgiving. So wow. I was on a couple of Brawl Network podcasts talking about my trip, talking about when I went to the Bears game, that kind of thing. And then they approached me saying, did I want to do this? And I mean, what what more could you want to do than, than talk to, talk about the Niners all week? I do it anyway. Yeah, right. Well do it <laughs> exactly, right? We're talking to ourselves sometimes doing that. Wow, that's, exactly. Yeah, that is, I mean, honestly, that's pure dedication just to loving the game. I mean, that that's amazing. I can't imagine you slept much at all. <laughs> yeah, not much. I was very tired by no. the end. Very, My very God. tired. Wow, yeah. I, can, I, I can picture it being the 1980s where you're having like the rolled up sleeve sportsman jacket and you're having to do like drugs all night in order to stay up and go to these games. But you know what? You didn't have to do that. You did it the right way, man. You did it the right way. And that's quite a story. You know, I want to get into that more with you. Uh, but look, we got a lot of show today, but we got a lot of show that's going to go on for a long time, man. So we're going to hear a lot of stories. There's no doubt about it. That's the way we became 49er fans. Look, we want to hear the way that you became 49er fans also. So you can always hook up with us. You can always follow us. We'll follow right back. We'll talk to you at 49ers Brawl. That's where you got to go to, at 49ers Brawl. And, hey, we'll chat it up right there. And we're going to chat it up right now. We got a lot of stuff to get into. Uh, we're going to be with you guys for about an hour or so. We have awards we want to give out later on. I mean, look, we're going to try to get everything in today, Jacob. It's going to be tough. We have a lot that we can want to talk about. And, listen, if it were just me and you, we could probably talk about one topic for about a half hour to 45 minutes easy. Yeah, easily, for sure. But we'll try, see if we'll get in what we don't get in. We'll have another episode in the lead-up to, to the divisional round and other few things. that We might save a little bit for the off-season if we're running out of time because, you know, playoff, hopefully, is going to be a busy time. Okay, I'm hoping it's going to be a busy time for three, four weeks and not just a busy time next week. That's so right. That's right. we'll have a lot to talk about. But I suppose before we get to the playoffs... I think we've got to go back, and I think we've got to look at the game this weekend just gone, week 17, that matchup in Seattle to decide who won the NFC West, and maybe more importantly, decide who got that first round bye. Well, listen, let me tell you first, let me let everybody know that you being in the UK, you stayed up until 5, 6 o'clock in the morning to watch that game, so God bless you for doing that. Listen, I was already tired as it was, but nothing could, have, nothing could put me to bed for that game. That was... 
just gut-wrenching. It was at the end, it was like you we I honestly I felt like we were going to lose the game. I'm not gonna lie to you. I felt like we were gonna lose the game. It's Russell Wilson. The guy is like half mortal, you know, a half mortal man, half God. He's amazing. And I figured something was gonna happen. They completed that pass down at the one. We got kind of screwed over a little bit there, Jacob, with that um downfield blocking that they called. But you know, past the whistle, he, you know, he didn't expect a garland for that to be for that to happen. But that game was so gut-wrenching toward the end. But Here's the thing that I really felt in the beginning. I felt like we were dominating them. I felt like we were destroying Seattle in Seattle in the first half, and it was only 13 nothing. Yeah, it definitely felt like we were further up than we were. And I think that was probably due to the defensive performance. And we had those kind of one, maybe two drives where we just moved the ball. And after that, it wasn't it wasn't that easy. And I felt like Maybe we kind of felt like we were in such control. And I remember saying at halftime that the defense does its job and we're out of here. We're in the number one seed and we got our feet up on World Card Weekend. Right. But, man, anytime Russell Wilson, he, it's just unbelievable. And the thing that was killing me was I thought we were dominating first and second down. The amount of third and longs they got to, they converted eight third downs in oh, that game. Wow. And, I mean, so many of those were... You, you, you get a stop here, and like when they scored the penultimate drive, I was I was almost surprised they kicked it deep because I thought if there's a tie, if there's a team you don't want to give the ball back to with about three minutes left, it was the 49ers because we were able to drive on them the drive before that so well. We managed the clock really well the drive before, yep. but they managed to get that stop, they managed to get the ball back, and well, when Russell completed that... It was 4th and 10 from the 12, and they got that first down. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say it here right now, if they don't get the delay a game, they're probably, you know, we're probably playing. Absolutely. Games. We're out. We're out. Lynch is going to jump over the entire stadium, and we lose the game. I'm with you 100%. We needed it, yeah. and it, it was I it was a so. blessing. We really needed that. And I felt like we need – I felt like all year it was kind of going against us, and, like, that moment, we got one. I felt like we finally had got one. They, they went back five yards to change the entire offensive game plan. Uh, of course, they threw it every single time. And what they did, what was beautiful, Jacob, is they blitzed. They finally blitzed when DJ, when DK Metcalf, excuse me, he was taking control on the outside as the uh, X receiver. He was destroying it. And the only way to stop him was to play bump coverage on him and to blitz Russell Wilson not to get that ball out so quick and so clean. And that's exactly what happened. Wilson was all over the place except for that one or two throws uh, toward the end. And the last throw, wow. I mean, just because I'm always thinking, Jacob, I'm always thinking the worst is going to happen because I want to be happy, so let me expect the worst, (laughs) you know? So I'm like, okay, touchdown. I'm like, we're screwed. We lose, you know? But then after looking at the replay, they didn't call it a touchdown. I said, you know what? We got it, man. We're freaking in. And Richard Sherman knew it. If you heard him on the field, he he said, we got it. We got it. And we did. It was was insane. I saw a picture on Twitter, actually, earlier, and it was the picture of the sideline view right down the goal line where you can see his shoulders down and the ball is like an so inch close. Short, so maybe, close. An inch short. And I'm like, that is, the, that is just the most beautiful picture I know. <laughs> you know, and you know what that kind of that is a, like a microcosm of our entire season. It coming down to the last second feels like every game, whether it's a field goal or getting in for a touchdown, every important game that we have had has come down to the very last, not possession, the last play. 
It's been crazy. What a year for this team. And to show that resolve going through has really been incredible to go 13-3. and Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think when you look at where we were at 8-0 and and you look at the first half of the season, we were just blowing teams out. You know, no one was getting close to us. He kept lining them up saying, look, oh, the Browns game, this is going to be their first test. We blow out the Browns. Go, okay, maybe it wasn't a test. Yeah. Same thing happens. Matt, Bre- Matt Breida out the gate, the 83 yards in that game against yeah. the Browns Monday night. I'm like, okay, that's this game's over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. In fact, that was the Niners game I went to as part of my trip. Oh, so beautiful. That game. Um, so, yeah, but then the second half of the season, man, it was a completely different story. And we got to see a different type of team, especially. And I think that probably brings us pretty well onto what I'd like to get to next. And that's, I'd like you to give me a couple of things from the regular season that give you confidence that this team can not only go all the way, but they could win and lift the Lombardi Trophy there in Miami in the Hard Rock Stadium. I'm going to give you two things. One is obvious. One may not be so obvious. Now, the obvious one is our front four. That front four, and especially if we can get D Ford back, will be incredible. It's unstoppable. We don't have to blitz. We can play four and drop seven back and beat you to death that way. So that's one key. The other thing is it's not necessarily the players, although I love our players. They're not household names, these guys. I love our guys between Mostert, Samuels, uh, you know, um, I'm sorry, Emmanuel Sanders, of course, and Kittle and whatnot, but the play calling and the movement and everything that they do before the ball is snapped confuses defenses so much that they have no idea what's coming, whether it's going to go to Kittle in the flat, if Juszczyk is going to pitch one back, if Breed is going to take it to the house, or if Jimmy G is going to hit Debo Samuel or Emmanuel Sanders over the middle for a 12-yard gain, and possibly take it to the house. All the movement before the ball is snapped is what's key for this 49ers offense. And since they changed to somewhat of a passing team now, it's been key. Even the RPOs that they mix in. I think that's the absolute key for the Niners uh-huh. is what we do before the ball is even snapped. Do you know what? I like that. I like that point. There's a, there's a play sequence from the Saints game. I'm going to see if I can find it. If I can find it, I'll definitely make sure we retweet that out from the 49ers Brawl account. But it shows you three plays in that Saints game. And they're three completely different plays. One is a run, two of them are passes. And the first three seconds of the play look identical. Right. And that final play is that Kittle reception in the flat to win the game, basically, where he's got defenders oh. hanging off his face mask. God, play of the like year. They were saving that one perfectly for that one. And, yeah, the coaching, the other thing that kind of stands out to me with the coaching is, look how many people have dropped out of the lineup because of injury. And the people that have stepped up, even if they're not the same player, look at when we had Staley and McGlinchey both missing at the same time. Mm-hmm. And the tackles were able to come in and play pretty well. At one point, they were both top 10 PFF tackles. Uh, you look at when Kittle was out and Ross Dwelly comes in and he's able to get, you know, some big games. I, th- that, to me, is a sign of coaching and it's a sign yes. of a good front office and the fact that there's drafted players that are able to kind of come in and sink into the scheme so well. So I definitely like the point about the coaching. Thanks for sure. And you know what? I think I think going along with that, John Lynch, it started with him. It really did, Jacob, if you think about it. And you know it probably as well or even better than I do. 
that when you put a guy like that in your front office who has played on the field and been one of the best players at his position in NFL history, now I'm not going top 10, top 20, but listen, the guy was a brawler and a smart player, and he called out offenses like it was nobody's business. I, I, I'm so happy to get that guy as our general manager. He knew exactly what to do. He wanted to build a team from the inside out, which is what you're supposed to do. You have to have a line of scrimmage on both the defensive and offensive side. Otherwise, you're not going to move the ball on offense. And on defense, you're going to get cremated. You're going to get anything they want the offense wants to do will happen. So he built this team the right way. Like you talked about our offensive line, our tackles. Yeah, Joe Staley getting older, but he still can do what he does with McGlinchey. Hopefully Garland comes into his own over here. We'll see. But then our defensive line between, I mean, Boson, Armstead, and Solomon, I mean, D Ford when he's helped, it's just amazing. And that's why they're able to get these other guys who aren't Pro Bowl players, evident by this year's uh, voting, to play like Pro Bowl players and to be in position to do what they got to do. Guys like Fred Warner and Jakarski Tart, nobody knew about them before this year, but if you paid attention, you know their names now. 100%. I mean, Fred Warner, at one point, you know, him and Quan Alexander were playing as good as any two linebackers in the league. And I actually think Warner even got better after Quan Alexander went out. He did. He stepped up. He was the guy. He's calling the defense. And... I mean, I think it was after that that he hit two defensive player of the weeks, maybe in a row. I can't remember quite so much, but I remember he got a defensive player of the week. He might have got one of the month. Um, and it took him, look, it took him a while to get it right, especially on the defensive line. They drafted three tech after three tech after three tech, and people right. kind of ended up just being played out of position. And it didn't quite work for a while. You know, Eric Armstead kind of seemed like the, the lost man out. Because when Buckler came in, he was such a dominant player at the three-tech. Then you kind of go, right, well, maybe Armstead, you know, they tried to move him to a pure edge rusher last year. That didn't quite work out. But now we've gone out, we went and got D Ford, drafted Nick Bosa. And now when you look at it, you know, Armstead and Buckler, they're on the field quite a lot at the same time. And that's, that's great to see, especially if you're in like a third down, you're in a nickel package or a dime package, and you look up and you've got Bosa, Buckner, Armstead, D Ford. As an offensive line, that's no fun for oh, anybody. It's huge. It, it's huge. And even going back to the front office and, and going to the draft, making picks, if I can remember. Of course, we had Nick Bosa with the first pick. Then we got Debo Samuel. And not everybody was like all giddy about that, but we've seen what he's become. I mean, that guy could play in the backfield, for God's sakes. And we also picked up another starter who people don't talk about, and that's Dre Greenlaw. This guy has become a really great player. He's the one who made the play to end the Seattle game last week. He's the guy who went high and was smart enough not to go low because then he could have hopped right over and gone over the goal line. He went high and he knocked him down, and that was a big-time play from a rookie. That was huge, Jacob. Absolutely. And if you remember the first Seattle game, he got the pick in overtime that, in theory, should have sealed the game if we were able to make that field goal. Right. So that's two big-time plays. That Seattle one might have even been his first game replacing Quan Alexander. I don't quite remember when he came in, but that is huge. That is huge to have him and Warner, which, you know, is a uh, second-year player, I believe. That's not a lot of experience. No. In uh, two positions where experience really counts for a lot, you know, the linebacker position. So I'm pretty happy with where we're stacked in that sense and that is another thing that probably does give me confidence going into the playoffs but I'm going to switch quickly to a couple of things that maybe 
worry me about the playoffs. And maybe a couple of things where I look at that and go, hmm, maybe this is maybe this is why we won't win the Super Bowl. And the first one I want to start with is depth, I think. Especially on the defensive side of the ball. We've talked quite well about how we had next man up on the offensive side of the ball. And I think they've pretty much got that down now. On the defensive side of the ball, I'm a little bit more worried. You know, we haven't quite got the rotation that we used to on the defensive line. I think the Niners have sent 16 players to IR. Yes. Which is not ideal. Uh, So that worries me a little bit on the defensive line, but maybe more so in the defensive backfield. At the point during the Seattle game where Jimmy Ward went down, and okay, he only missed two snaps. But I was worried because you were already missing Tart. Yes. Then you're going to be missing Jimmy Ward. Mm-hmm. You know, Marcel Harris, I don't think he's played incredibly the last few weeks. I think he was a little bit better against Seattle. But if there's one thing that maybe worries me is depth and are we a couple of injuries away from falling apart as a defense? You know what? That That's a great point. I, I'm with you. And I, I think I'm going to stick with you on the defensive side of that. Like you said, number one, we have guys on IR all over. I think we have uh, maybe 10 alone on defense. And these are guys who are contributors to the team as well. Plus, you're limping in a D Ford. You're limping back in a Jakarski Tart and things like that. So, yeah, we're already banged up as it is. So you're right. The depth is tough. And you can see at the end of games – like most teams, but the 49ers, even though they are pretty young for the most part, they're huffing and puffing at the end of the game because they don't come off the field a lot. That's why D Ford coming back is such an important thing to have that rotation. So the defense is big, and that that's where the entire season kind of changed, and that's where I thought, okay, here we go. The Niners are not going to be that rough and tough, you know, three uh, yards and a pound, and you know, in a pile of dust type of team with the rough defense. Things changed, and – they seem to change in an ideal time. And that's when Emmanuel Sanders got traded to the 49ers uh, about midway through the season. Because their running game wasn't as sharp anymore. And I think part of that was, oddly enough, due to the play calling. And Kyle Shanahan is a great play caller. But also because of the problems with our defense. You know, look, 40, the Saints are the Saints. But to put up 46 points is still a lot of points. And a lot of other teams were putting up points on the Niners. They weren't stuffing everybody anymore. So when Emmanuel Sanders came over and immediately became that number one and took Debo Samuel under his wing, and of course we knew what George Kittle could do, and getting Kyle Juszczyk back healthy and Breida finally back healthy, who needs to play more, we'll talk about that later, the emergence of Raheem Mostert made this team offensively so dynamic that we could afford to now give up a few points. But you're right with the depth. If we lose another key player, we could be in some trouble. Yeah, I mean, I'm very happy to hear that, that D Ford should be back, Jakowski Tart should be back, both for the for the divisional round. But the one that's exciting me the most is that Quan Alexander. They're saying he could be back for the championship weekend. I hope and you so. Look at, yeah, you look at the last game, the Seattle game. Fred Warner played every snap. Trey Greenlaw played all but one snap. Hmm. So, you know, that means we're sitting with two linebackers on the field. At, all, all, all times, you know, we're not in dime all the time, and I think that the you know the real reason is we haven't got enough DBs to be sitting in dime all the time. We don't, so we have to leave these linebackers on the field. But man, you've got to rotate them. You've got to rotate them. It's the same on the defensive line. You know, Forrest Buckner played nearly ninety percent of snaps. You know, Nick Bosa's playing eighty-five. Eric Armstead eighty-four. You got. They're on the field a lot, and I don't know if you saw, but earlier today, I believe, the site we signed Earl Mitchell, 
Yes. Which that yes. is going to be that's going to be great for us, I think, on the interior because we kind of we kind of lost that a little bit, I think, and I think that's why we're playing Armstead and Buckner so much. But from that, I mean, we were better this week, but all season we've really been a great pass defense and not a great run defense. So yeah. I think to get someone big on the interior, a real dominant one tech, that can definitely help us in that sense. And the reason why things also had changed with the defense also is part and due because they were running so much in the beginning. So the defense was left on the sideline for a little bit longer. You know, that the minutes, they do change. It's a big thing. So when you saw it become more of a passing offense, maybe you have a few three and outs, that's what started to happen. And the defense, again, when you don't, we have that lack of rotation, these guys are on the field constantly and they became on the field more and more and throughout the entire game. So absolutely, look, any healthy bodies we can get in right now helps. And I'm really not high on guys like Emmanuel Mosley. He does have, he makes nice plays here and there, but he could play better. We're going to need him to play. We're going to need Quan Williams to be able to get more healthy and step up and play in the secondary as well. We're going to need guys to do that because, you know, we can get passed on now as well. It's a bit different. The whole story has changed now, Jacob. But that all being said, I still have a tremendous amount of confidence in this team going forward, not just because of home field advantage and the importance of that, because you get to sleep in your own bed at night. You don't have to worry about ordering crappy hotel food or whatever it is and sleeping in somebody's stranger's bed and, you know, this and that. You know, you're home. It's a beautiful thing. So that's why home field advantage is so important, not necessarily because you're playing on your home field, but because you get that comfort level. So I'm looking forward to all of that. But um, look, we got a few opponents coming up that, you know, look, we got three coming up. There's only one that we can't play, which is the Saints. Kind of thank God for now. And that's all right. We'll see. And we're going to be coming back in the next segment. We got a few more minutes to stay with you guys. We're going to take a quick break in a little bit. Uh, But I still have tremendous confidence in this team going forward. And regardless of the seeds, Jacob, if I was an outsider looking in, I would still put them as the number one seed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, before we kind of move on to about who we're going to play, we've got to circle back a second. Because if there's one player I would like to see more of, it's Emmanuel Mosley, I think. Because, look, last season, Akello Witherspoon for me was by far the kind of the weak link in the chain. Yes. And at the start of this season, you know, he played quite well before he got hurt. Then he got hurt. Mosley comes in. I think Mosley plays very, very well. And then Akello comes back from his injury. And I think he just looks like the old Akello Witherspoon, unfortunately. And it makes me start to think, right. Was he that good again at the end start of the season? Or was that a product of our such dominant pass rush early in the year? Because that was when our line was the best. Right. And is that forcing QBs into, you know, easy throws? You look at the pick six he got, you know, that's that's a bad throw. That's not him making an incredible play. And so I was just, you know, if we, there's a holding call, I think second quarter, maybe third quarter, where Akello is nowhere to be seen. And I can't remember who it was wide open in the end zone. It might have been David Moore who catches a touchdown. And yep. Luckily, it comes back. That's who it was. Witherspoon, he just gets, he's just getting beaten a lot and, and often. And thankfully, going into the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter, you saw that maybe Robert Salah and Carl Shanahan saw that as well because mostly played the final defensive drive. And... He got beaten a little bit by DK Metcalf, but he also made an incredible pass breakup on a slot play that 
would have won the game for the Seahawks. So both are true. If it's me, if it's me, I'm picking Sherman on one side, Mosley on the other side, and Kawan in the slot, and Akello can come in. I think when we if then it gives you the freedom if we do want to play, you know, a dime personnel. But for me, I need to see more of Emmanuel Mosley. Right, well, you know what? Like I said, he does make plays. That's what I like about him. He will get beat. He likes to take chances here and there. And I'm with you. I'm with the spoon. Look, he's out. The guy's not like a you know some sort of like dominant corner or anything like that. He doesn't make me happy. It, it bothered me what DK Metcalf was able to do toward the end of the game. But again, the 49ers fixed their defense and were able to help them out. Look, it takes an entire defense, not just one guy to get the job done. So. They really did. They got a great job in, and they won. Again, that game was on the road, and I feel like they really dominated them all game, even though it did get really close toward the end over there, Jacob. So, again, I'm really confident going in. We're going to come back, guys, in a few seconds over here. We're going to give you a little music and everything. But when we come back, Jacob, uh, we have a lot more to talk about, one of them definitely being the playoffs, the wild card coming up, and who we'd rather play and who we'd rather not play come divisional weekend. So we're going to get into that, uh, guys, coming back in a few seconds over here. Jacob, so far, so good. Feeling good. And, uh, yeah. yeah, got a few I'm more. This. Got a few more loving things in my mind, man. Good, good. We're going to keep it rolling. So, guys, everybody, we're going to be right back. Enjoy the music for a few seconds, and we'll see you in a few. Everyone, welcome back into the 49ers Brawl Podcast by the Network Brawl. The Brawl Network, baby. Follow us. Follow us over at 49ers Brawl, at 49ers Brawl on Twitter. And follow us on our Facebook page as well, 49ers Brawl. I am Jason Fearman. With me, Jacob Bonner. Jacob, having a great time so far. We're going to continue it. We're going to rock and roll. And we were going to be talking about the playoffs. So why don't we dive right back in and start talking, brother? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And obviously, look, we got a nice, easy weekend. I've never been so happy <laughs> to not watch a Niners game. Yeah, right. Normally, you know, by the week, I hate it during the regular season. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm <laughs> and I'm happy this weekend. I, it's Very it's happy. a great thing. It's a great thing. And real quick, you know what? Look, it, the odds are, and they've been shown for a long, long time, that if you have a bye in the first round, you're going to the Super Bowl. So we're one of two teams in the NFC that got a bye. We got a pretty good shot. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. And I think you look at the other team that's got a bye, you just have to look at the regular season matchup between us and the Green Bay Packers. And I think it shows we're by far the better team. Dominated them. Dominated exactly. them. And you, exactly. know what's, you know what's interesting? Just take a trip down memory lane. You know, we've been beating their butts for years now, actually. And it's, re- it's, a- it's really ironic because when Brett Favre's there, all I remember in the mid-90s was him kicking our butts every damn postseason and then playing the Cowboys in the NFC Championship except for 94. So it's come full circle, and I feel good about it. 100%. 100%. And let's dive into who we do and who we don't want to play because they're definitely a team I would love to see in the NFC Championship. Oh, yeah. Uh, but let's start on the divisional route. Yes, the three sir. teams that we could end up playing, we could end up playing Minnesota, we could end up playing Seattle, and I 
believe we can end up playing Philadelphia. I'm right. 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 The only team we cannot play is the Saints because they're the third seed. So we automatically get the lowest seed, whichever it may be. Yes. Correct. Absolutely. So looking at those three teams, you know, if we're just looking at how good the team is, you know, a lot of people might say the Eagles. I'm I'm not on that train. I want to play the Minnesota Vikings. Okay. There's a couple of reasons. Number one, we talked about home field advantage. The reason I'm excited about home field advantage is not that, you know, we've got that great home field advantage that people don't want to, you know, don't want to come to San Francisco or Santa Clara and, and play us. But it's that you look at the other teams in the NFC, New Orleans, Seattle, Green Bay, Philly, they've all got good home field advantages where I'm more worried about going there to play. And so I look at a team like Minnesota and I'd say that's maybe in terms of home field advantages, the worst of a good bunch. But the second and probably more important reason I want to play Minnesota is because if we're playing Minnesota, the New Orleans are out because they've yeah. beaten them. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. I hadn't really thought about that. But when you were saying it, one thing came to mind because Minnesota could be the first answer, maybe an obvious one to some people, maybe only because they're the sixth seed. But I'll tell you something real quick. Minnesota was my preseason Super Bowl champion. I picked them to win before the season started. So I had a lot of confidence in the Vikings, maybe a little less now. But as you were saying that, I'm thinking, if the Minnesota Vikings go into, go into New Orleans and beat the Saints in their dome, then I'm a little scared because then that means that they've got their swag back a little bit. And when they had their swag in the middle of the season, they were as good as anybody, don't you think? Yeah, and I don't, I'm not looking at them and saying, oh, like, which this is going to be a walkover. That's not what I'm saying. I suppose what I'm more saying is that I I think we're a better team. You look at the teams they lost to. They've lost to Seattle. They lost to Green Bay twice. They lost to Chicago. I just think when you look at who they've beat and who they've lost to and who we've beat and who we've beaten, I just think we're, we're a better team. Um, we play them at home. I mean, the Saints are out. And then after that, you know, what would be ideal is we play Minnesota and then we play Green Bay in the NFC Championship. And we've had, I think, uh, an okay road to the Super Bowl. When you consider the alternative could be Seattle and then New Orleans, you just have to look at the regular season matches that we had against them and know that's a tougher ride, a much tougher ride. Agreed. I agree. And let me tell you, the last team that I want to see even over the Saints, is the Seahawks. I don't want to play them again. I don't want to play them a third time this season. 100%. I do not. (laughs) I'm with you on that one. So whether, you know, obviously it would be in San Francisco, but they already beat us at home this year. So again, wipe out that home field advantage. The teams are going to play and who's going to win is going to win. Now, I believe we're a better team than than, uh, Seattle, and I think that we proved that. But to me, they pose the biggest threat because they know us so well. So I don't want to play them. Minnesota, I'm with you on them. I believe that we can definitely beat them. Uh, We're a better team. Dalvin Cook would scare me a bit because, like you said earlier, earlier in the show, our run defense has not been that good. So give me Philly. Give me Boston, Scott, and a banged-up backfield and no wide receivers, no tight end. You know, well, you know, Dallas Goddard is pretty good, but no Zach Gertz. He's not going to play, I don't believe. So Philly doesn't have anybody except a great quarterback who's gone really under the radar carrying them through in, into the postseason and Carson Wentz. He's been really amazing if you look at 
if you just watch him play, forget about the numbers. Watch the guy play. Watch what he does. He does incredible things. That game against Atlanta earlier this season, he did some unreal stuff. So he does scare me alone, but the other guys don't. So you know what? Go rush him with four, and I think that we can beat them in their defense. Their defense doesn't scare me one bit. I think that we would run right through them. I think that would be one of those 34-7 to seven type of games, Jacob. Yeah, I, I I agree, and also much like if we're playing Minnesota, the Saints are out. If we're playing Philly, the Seahawks are out. So yes, they're, right. They're two teams I don't want to see. Like you say, I don't want to play Seattle again. Not at all. I just don't want to play Russell Wilson. Forget the rest of the team. I don't want to play Russell Wilson. Yeah, I agree. We just we just I don't know, man. We struggle with the with the scrambling quarterback. If you want to drop back and pass, I think we do pretty well against that. Yeah, that's why I thought. You know, we matched up very well against Aaron Rodgers. I think we'd match up fairly well against Kirk Cousins. But, you know, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, there's two teams that scare me in the league. It's Seattle and it's Baltimore. So I, I if we're playing Philly next week, trust me, I'm also very happy. Well, you make an excellent point with the rollout quarterback. So guys got Russell Wilson who specializes in, of course, and that's why he's able to make the plays either. So you're right. We are better with drop back quarterbacks, which both Wentz and um uh, excuse me, Kirk Cousins are. Now, Wentz is definitely a better athlete. He can get around more. So you do have a good point with that from the from our defensive side. I'm not going to argue that one. That's a pretty good point. Going to that Philly-Seattle game, the only hope <laughs> that I have for Philly is that they're playing at home. When we talk about a home field, it doesn't matter as much, but Seattle has to go across the whole country again. But it seems like they kind of do that every weekend, and they seem to pull it off. They didn't have such a good year at home this year, which is ironic for Seattle. But do you think Seattle can beat Philly? They can definitely beat them. You know, uh, if you look at the lines, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a betting guy. I work for a bookmaker. Yeah. You know, yeah. this line, this line opened up, and it like opened up kind of a close to a pick'em line. And no, the Seahawks are a, a slight favourites. They're about a point and a half favourites. I think they they are rightly favourites, and I think a lot of people will be going on the Seahawks because. You know, that NFC East division has just been so poor. So it has. Poor. It has. Um, so, so they've got, they've, they can definitely go in there and win. And I think if you're Seattle, you're not overly scared of Philadelphia. But Philly has got, you know, they've got a chance. They are banged up. And, you know, I don't know if Miles Sanders is going to play. If Miles Sanders is out, that's a worry. It's, it's going to be tough. It's all on Carson Wentz and. And, you know, Dallas Goddard and these fourth and fifth string receivers as they were at the start of the season. Yeah, and Miles Sanders, you said it, he really emerged in, in the second half of the season. He looked like a bust early on coming out of Penn State, but he really turned it on when when uh, Howard got hurt. He really turned it on. So that guy is scary. And, yeah, these two teams, Seattle and Philly, they were almost like mirror images of each other at this point because neither one of them have a run game. They're All their running backs are hurt. All they can do is throw. And throwing to... Somewhat mediocre wide receivers, even though Seattle's not mediocre. Look, they got TJ Lockett, who kind of disappeared for a long time. It's really strange. I don't I know he what. Was hurt. He was hurt, I think. Y- yes. That. Yes, I was going to say game, that. The first Niners game, I think he was, he's been hurt. You're right. You're right. Because uh, there's, uh, there's no other reason why that combination wouldn't have been doing well in the second half of the year, because they were lethal in the first half of the year, no doubt. But DK Metcalf has come along. And when they lost Will Disley, that was a big thing for them, that tight end, because he loved throwing it to him. And now they're throwing. Hollister. It's going to be a tough one. I'm not even sure who I'm picking yet in that game, but uh, look, I'd rather play Philly. We can both agree. We don't want to play Seattle for a third time. We just don't want to do that. 
no, no. I think I, I, I'd like to play Philly, but I'm, I'm, I'm picking Seattle. But with the other NFC matchup, do you think the Vikings have any shot in New Orleans in the Superdome against Drew Brees right now, how uh, they're playing? Not right now. Not because of the way that Minnesota ended the season, and I thought that they should have played their guys for at least a half in that last game because they weren't playing well, Minnesota. They haven't played well for a little bit. And I know they've been missing Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook were hurt. So I do get that, you know, sitting guys. I do understand that getting them back is huge. If they're both healthy enough to play and they're going to play, it'll be a much closer game than people think. But I'm definitely going to be going with the Saints with this one. They just seem like a well-oiled machine right now. And even them going to Tennessee a couple of weeks ago and winning that game, I thought that was also a big statement on the road against a team who really needed to win a game. So the Saints, like we both said it, they're the scariest team out there. Yes, I would agree. I would agree. You know, I, I, yeah, if we could, if we have to play them in the NFC Championship, if you took me out of my 49ers fan body and put me in a neutral body, <laughs> man, that's the game I want to see for the NFC Championship. I would have to agree. You get a rematch of one of the best games of the season. And then hopefully you get the rematch of Niners-Ravens, which was another great game. But right now, that's a game it it does scare me. If we flip real quick to the AFC, and obviously we wouldn't play any of these teams until the big game. So if we're playing any of these, we're pretty happy already. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But we start out the weekend with the Bills at the Texans. This Bills team, they're kind of... Went under the radar a little bit. They beat a lot of bad teams, and then they didn't do so good. They kind of scraped past these bad teams. But they had two pretty close games against the Patriots. They weren't embarrassed by the Ravens, which I think is probably a compliment right now. And they've kind of ended the season, I think, on a pretty good record. But their offense, for me, is what worries me when they've got such a dominant defense. How do you think they match up against the Texans? Yeah, this is a really interesting one. And and obviously the Texans are playing on Saturday, the first game, which they do every single year. And they seem to have the worst matchup every time. It's just that the Texans and the Bills, I mean, a lot of people aren't even going to watch that game. We will because we're diehard football fans. But how do they match up? The Bills actually match up pretty decent. Houston does not have a good secondary. They're not that great against the pass. Um, look, the Bills aren't the hugest passing team, but John Brown can beat people all over the field, and especially downfield. So I'd watch for him to have a really big game, maybe get Devin Singletary going. It can happen. I thought Houston was going to be better than what they were. I thought they were going to be the team that went into Kansas City and beat them earlier this year. But they really haven't been that team lately. They did beat Tennessee in a big game a few weeks ago, which was for the uh, for the division crown and all that. So, you know, congratulations to them. But this game is up in the air. I'm kind of leaning toward the Bills because of that defense. And also, Jacob, the wide receivers for Houston are banged up, except for DeAndre Hopkins. So if you put uh, Tredavious White, the Bills' best cornerback on him, one-on-one. Best in the league. Best in the league, he, in you know, Maybe he is. You know, maybe he is. Stephon Gilmore, you can argue, but whatever. That's an argument for another day. He's certainly <laughs> up there. Top, top three, four, five, whatever you want to call it. So if you can maybe not eliminate Hopkins, but take him away, and they don't take them away a little bit, and the Texans don't have much else going on unless Deshaun Watson is making plays. The Bills are going to get to him. They're going to make plays on defense, and I got to tell you, man, I am a tremendous 
Josh Allen fan. He, I know he's not the prototypical quarterback. I know he's not that accurate. But God, he reminds me of John Elway, and he's just a gamer, and he finds ways to win. I'm leaning toward the Bills, bro. I could see it. Nothing would surprise me in this game, and that's because I think the Texans are the most consistently inconsistent team in the NFL. Yeah, that's well said. They they have that game against the Chiefs. They go into Arrowhead. I was at that game, and they played lights out and beat them. But then they have other games where, you know, they just don't show up. And I just don't know what Texans team you're going to see. You know, this team scraped by the Bucks when Jameis threw four picks and should have had another two, maybe. So right. you, you just don't know what team's going to turn up. And I think a team like the Bills with the good defense and almost a bit of a bend-don't-break nature right. probably fits quite well into a team where you don't know what you're going to get because you almost force them into what you want them to, to turn up as. And so I think that very first few drives defensively for the Bills is hugely important. And especially because they can run the ball. Josh Allen can run the ball. Yep. They can control some clock. They can. And they can. If you pair that with a good defense, very much like early season Niners, that can go very, very well. So it's a tough one. I think the Texans are the better team, but... I think the matchup is quite nice for the Bills. And so I wouldn't be surprised by the Bills. I think I'd probably lean that way on the handicap. I think it's just over a field goal, which is a nice line in what should be a tight game. Right. And Your basic home field advantage, uh, three-point. Yes. Uh, right, exactly yes. right. Exactly. And they are getting J.J. Watt back this week, uh, I believe. He's playing, isn't he, this weekend? Yeah, he's active. They said he'll play. What version of JJ what will get? I don't know. Right. Maybe that's kind of he kind of maybe sums up the Texan season in a little bit. Right. Like, what are you going to get? Nobody knows. Mm-hmm. His younger brother's so, out playing him a little bit there in Pittsburgh. Man, TJ Watt is he's the defensive player of the year candidate. Man, he's he was balling this year. He really was. Hey, 100%. before we get to the other AFC game, I want to circle back real quick to the to the Saints, and we were talking about Green Bay, and of course we don't want to play the Saints. Let me tell you something, man. If the Saints, which they probably will, have to go into Green Bay because I think they're going to beat Minnesota this weekend, going to Green Bay, if it's a cold-weather day, dude, Green Bay can win that game. They got Aaron Jones. They can run the ball. They can play tough defense. They got the Smith brothers. I give Green Bay a great chance of beating the Saints in in Lambeau Field if it comes to that. Who would you have favorite in Green Bay between those two teams out of interest? I would give the home field advantage three points. That's what I would do. Okay, so you think okay, so you'd have Green Bay slight favorites. Yes, by three for sure. Okay, okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. Do it, but- I, I think they, I think they have a good chance. I would, I would probably have it around Pickham. I think the Saints are probably about three points better than the Packers, and therefore essentially negate the home field advantage. Um, but. I don't know. I my issue. I think I've had with the Packers is, I think I my view is so skewed from our game with them, mm-hmm. where it just looked like we were different class. And when you compare that to our game with New Orleans, I wonder: Am I thinking too much about just those two games and not about the whole season? Look, Green Bay are thirteen and three for a reason. Yeah, that's a good and, point. Yeah, and they've got 
playmakers. All right, Aaron Rodgers, you know, he's been holding on to the ball a lot. But you've got Devontae Adams back now. Oh, he's Aaron so Jones. good. He, Devontae Adams, I mean, he, he's got to be a top three wide receiver in the whole league. He is so good, that guy. Dominant, dominant. And Aaron Jones scares me. And at the moment, probably scares me more than Alvin Kamara does. I agree. I don't know what happened. I don't want to spend a lot of time, but Kamara did not have the season I thought he would. He had a great game last week, but he has not had the season I thought that he would have. And, you know, Latavius Murray carried the ball a lot this year. It was very interesting, but they still got where they got. And give Teddy Bridgewater a lot of credit earlier this year for going undefeated, holding down the ship until Drew Brees got back. A lot of people forget that. Bridgewater did a great job, and he may find himself uh, starting uh, for a new team next year. We'll see. Yeah, I think so. And we'll get into that in the offseason for sure. Of course. Maybe a lot of QBs on the move this year. And that's really exciting. Right. No, the, yeah. Starting QBs on the move. Right. Wait, we'll have a lot to talk about between QBs on the move. I have an article about that on the sportscolumn.com. You can check it out. Coaches obviously leaving. We'll, we'll talk about all that. We know Ron Rivera's in Washington, but we're concentrating more again on the playoffs and whatnot. And speaking of that, going to the other AFC playoff game real quick to spend a minute or two. Um, the Patriots are not the Patriots. Tennessee's really tough. They got Derrick Henry. And I don't know. I, I've never felt more confident that the Patriots were going to lose at home in a playoff game than I ever have in my life. I think that the Titans are a really good team. They're not a great team, but they're the type of team that can beat up the Patriots on the line of scrimmage. And again, you know, Brady looks kind of lost out there because he's got nobody to throw to. The running game has not come around. The defense is good, but I think Tennessee is dynamic enough to beat them in, in Foxborough. I'm going with the Titans. I, this is this is the most exciting game for me of of the weekend. Because if there's one team I don't I wouldn't want to play right now if I was in the AFC, it's Tennessee. Right? Like yeah. Derek Henry is rolling. A beast. AJ Brown is dominant. Yep. He ain't looking like a rookie. He's looking like he could be you know, in the top seven, top five receivers right now and how he's playing. Yep, him and Tannehill really hooked up good. Great move, them going to Tannehill. Yeah. I, I watched him in Miami. Yeah, I watched him in Miami for a long time. I'm like, this guy's a good quarterback. They just don't have the players and the coaches for him. But I like Tannehill, man. Yeah, I, I like Tannehill. And it was funny, it's almost like he waited just until the point where everyone finally gave up on him. I felt like every single year in Miami, they were saying, it's this year or bust. This right. Year or bust, this right. year or bust. And he's kept putting it off with his injuries and and that kind of thing. And it's like he's waited just until the point where we've gone, you know what, it's never going to happen. And it's happening. Yeah. And it excites me big time. I'm with him. Like you said, this Patriots team, uh, they got flaws. They got flaws. And I think they had flaws last year. And I think they masked them well enough. You know, they won the Super Bowl. I don't think they were the best team in football. I think that team was New Orleans. And I think this year they've taken steps back offensively hugely. The defense is good. The defense is very good. But when the defense has played good offenses, it's not been that good. Look at the Baltimore game. Look at the Houston game. Look at the Kansas City game. Yep, right. It beats up on bad teams. And this is a good offense right now. One of the best in the league. I'm with you all the way, man. I think Tennessee wins that game. And again, we'll always be uh, grateful to the Patriots for giving us Jimmy G. Thank you very, very much. We appreciate the present. Thank you, because he's really turned around, and he's become a very good quarterback. I was shaky on him in the beginning of the year, brother. I really was. I'm like, I don't know if he's just going to be a game manager with this team or if he can actually win a game, and he proved that he can win games. Yeah, the, the turning point for me was Arizona. In Arizona, 
where that was the first game we really struggled to run the ball. It was the first game where they kind of shut down the run. Scary game. Scary game, that Arizona game, the first yeah. one. Yep. Yeah. Another game that I was at, funnily enough. Wow. And huh. It was a game where Kyle just went, okay, I'll show you what you can do now. Ah. And he did it. And earlier in the season, I was also worried. You look at the Seattle game in overtime where Jimmy G, you know, we need to get into Phil Gorange. It might have been the final drive of the fourth quarter. And he essentially throws two picks of KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner can catch. Yep. And the game's over. Yep. And so when we start doing this, and we did it in the Arizona game, man, we did it. the New Orleans game, we were up. We were up by two points, and we just went pass play, pass play, pass play. And I was getting worried. I thought, I was like, does Kyle know we're winning? <laughs> but he, went, he did it, man. He went throw for throw with Drew Brees. He went, okay, you're going to go through the air. We'll go through the air. And it really changed my opinion. And as there would be nothing sweeter than Jimmy G and the Niners beating Tom Brady. Oh, my God. In the Super Bowl. That would be a dream. A dream. It would be so good. But, it would be a dream. Uh, I don't think I want to play Belichick in the Super Bowl. That scares me no, yeah. matter, who, no matter who they've got on the offense. Well, I don't think we're going to have to worry about it this year. I really don't. I, I highly doubt that they're going to win three games, including Baltimore and probably Kansas City, and go to the Super Bowl. So, uh, yeah, yeah, to me. It's going to be tough. Yeah. It's going to be tough. That's it, for sure. It'll be tough. Um, and as we go along. Oh, sorry, you go. No, no, I was just going to say, as we go along, we're going to talk about, obviously, the games that go on through the playoffs. But you go ahead. What were you going to say? So I was going to say, we should mention the run game really briefly and how we have really turned into a passing team, big time. Yep. And something that I was mentioning, and I think you feel the same, is there's certain people I want to see more of if we are going to establish this run. Because there's games where we're going to be ahead. And in those games where we're going to be ahead... We can't just be passing the ball all the time. I want to go back to being able to run the clock. I want to go back to we've got the lead and the other team sits on the sideline for eight, nine minutes watching that lead increase. Yes. And so I want to see more Matt Breeder. Okay, he played lights out at the start of the year. He played very well. Raheem Mostert, I am very happy that he's become the lead guy. And, you know, his usage has become really, really valuable. But someone I would maybe sacrifice the carries for is Tevin Coleman and I think he had a great couple of games but you look at his production in terms of touchdowns yardage pretty much all came against Carolina right right <laughs> I, I gotta tell you so I, I could not agree more look I, I this is a total Kyle Shanahan thing because he had him in Atlanta I get it he yeah. wanted to bring him over I understand but to make him the starting running back, and him to continue to be the starting running back is almost laughable at this point because it comes right out and it's Raheem Mostert, and it's mostly Mostert, but we need more Breida and we really need less Coleman. And I know that you got stats on Coleman that that prove that. he has He's made maybe one or two good plays the entire year. He's had more than enough chances, but he really doesn't fit in with what we do. Yeah, you look at Matt Breida's usage, I mean – in the Seattle game, most it was on the field for 54% of offensive snaps. And we go back a couple of games, it was 54, 54, 53, 59. So what, our usage of Mostert is becoming pretty consistent. And I think he's really defined his role in the team right now. But Matt Breeder, you know, 16%. And that is the least amount of snaps he's been on the field all season. Yeah. And it's really slowly gone down since the start of the season. 
he started off around 40%. He starts dropping into like the 25s. And, you know, the last three games, the last four games, have all been sub 20%. And I wonder, is that Seattle, the final Seattle game, the one in San Francisco, you know, he had 10 carries for 18 yards. I wonder, has that kind of put them off a little bit? But you look at the other games, you know, in New Orleans, six carries, 54 yards. Arizona, 15 carries for 78 yards. I am not entirely sure what they're seeing in Coleman that's that's putting him above Matt Breeder in terms of carries, other than Carl Shanahan likes him and he's getting paid. That's what it is. God knows how much more. That's what it is. It's money and Kyle Shanahan loves him. That That's really the reason. And it's going to have to stop and it better stop during the playoffs because we have to put our best players out there. And look, you know, Coleman, you want to come in and spell our guys for a little bit? Fine. But look, if Breed is not hurt, if he's even 80, 85 percent, he's got to play more ball. Like you said, under 20 percent of the snaps is unacceptable. It really, really is. And thank God for Raheem Mostert because um, – when uh, Wilson when Wilson went out early in the year, I, I liked him. I'm like, ah, oh, this could be a little bit of a problem. Now, who do we got if Breed is not going to be healthy? I don't like Tevin Coleman. Uh-huh. Mostert comes in and just is like, wow, this guy's fast. He's strong. He's got good vision. I, I couldn't believe it. Guys, if you don't know, Mostert started out with Miami. I think it was in, or Cleveland in 2015, then with Miami. Then he went to Baltimore and Chicago and finally ended up at the Niners a few years ago. And we held on to him for special teams for the most part. But thank God that we gave him a chance. Basically, Kyle Shanahan said this year, he forced us to play him because he was so good. And do you know what I love is that he still plays special teams, even though he's right. yep. he still played 40% of special team snaps the last game. And that's pretty consistent. You know, he's had some games where he's played into the 60s on that. But he's still chasing guys down on punt. He's still chasing guys down on kickoffs and... I think that is probably more a testament to his attitude because if you come up, become a starting running back, I think you're well within your right to go to the special teams coordinator and go, I'm not playing special teams anymore or I don't want to because sure. they need you, especially say, you know, especially things like punt and kickoff where you might have just, well, kickoff, let's say he's just run 70 yards to score a touchdown. He's got to go chase the guy down now, another 70 yards on kickoff. So right. I think he's well within his right to say, no, especially with the injuries he's had. You know, last season, I thought he had a really good stretch before he broke his arm. Uh, but I'm really happy that he's come in and you look at his story and the amount of teams he kind of got passed around. He was undrafted, a lot of practice squads. He's one of those guys where you look at and go, I would love it for him to win a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl as the, as the lead back. You know, I'd love him to score the winning touchdown. Something like that would just be the perfect story for him. Oh, I would take it all day long. That would be beautiful. Just let him right in the end zone, touchdown, we win the game. I don't want to see gold and, and red just, just pouring down from the sky. It'll be a beautiful thing. God, and you know what? You'll have to tell us real quick when we come back because we're going to take another really quick break, and then we're going to come back and close out our show with a few more topics but you're going to have to tell us how you're going to be around my part of town come Super Bowl time, and hopefully our boys will be there. Jason and Jacob with you here on the 49ers Brawl podcast presented by the Brawl Network. Guys, we'll be right back. Hang in there. (laughs) 
All right, all right. Jacob and Jason back with you over here on the 49ers Brawl Podcast. We've been rocking and rolling for the past hour. We got a little bit more action for you guys. Jacob and I, we could be talking all night. We might even be talking off the air about the 49ers and other stuff. But look, this is where it's at, guys. You want to talk NFL football? We got it. You want to talk San Francisco 49ers especially? We really got it. We'll hold you down over there, all right? We love our Niners. That's our team. That's the passion right there, right, Jacob? That's where it comes from. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All day, every season. It doesn't matter if we've got a season like this, where we go, uh, you know, we go 13 and 3, or if we've got another season where, you know, we go 4 and 12. It's going to be the same. But we're just going to sound a little bit happier this season. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've had you especially have been given a great New Year's gift, my friend. Why don't you share with uh, me and the audience what you will be doing in about a month from now? Yeah. So for those who don't know, after I broke the world record of going to every NFL stadium in 84 days, the NFL UK and the Atlanta Falcons gave me Super Bowl tickets. All expenses paid, flights, accommodation. So I'm going to be out there in Miami, hopefully cheering on the 49ers, which would be even crazier when I think about, you know, when I decided to do this trip, you know, we were like a number two pick in the draft and I didn't even think I'd get Super Bowl tickets or anything anyway. The fact that I timed it like this and could be seeing the Niners in, in Miami in the Super Bowl is just crazy. So I'm very excited to get out there. I know me and you were going to link up because you're based, you know, Fort Lauderdale yep. out there, Florida way. So maybe we can get a little live show, you know, in person out to you. And hopefully it's a Super Bowl preview. Ah, that would be such a beautiful thing, man. That is, again, just music to my ears, bro. We're definitely going to link up. And I'm, I'm feeling good that, uh, that our 49ers are going to be around there. Just, oh, would that be amazing? That would make my life. That would make everything. Really, what a, what a New Year's gift that would be. Again, Happy New Year to all of you out there. Happy New Year to you, Jay. And you know what this Happy New Year thing, how long do you have to say Happy New Year for until, like, it's, you're all good? Like, the, the 4th, January 5th, or is it until you've seen everybody that you know and you said Happy New Year to them? Because it goes on forever. They don't stop. I was going to stop tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing it today. And then, yeah, maybe I suppose like, I go back into work if there's somebody I've not seen since before New Year. I'll say Happy New Year. People need to chill out with the Happy New Decade thing. I oh, get really God. excited about doing that. Like, yeah, I get it. It's a new decade. Yeah, I it's get just it. It's a new year. Right. It's 2020. We thought we'd have flying cars by now. I don't see any of these flying cars anywhere. There's not one. I see UFOs. I don't see flying cars. So that's a whole different story, you know? I don't know what's going on with this technology over here. But 2020, oh my God, I can't believe we made it this far. I can't believe I made it this far. I don't know how this happened. But 2020, my God. Talk about the future, and here we are. The future could be bright in about a month from now. Talking about the Niners again a little bit. We've been talking to all NFL, Wild Card Weekend, uh, the matchups we got coming up, who we like. But, of course, we like our 49ers. It's great that we get to, to chill, sit back, and see who we're going to play. And hopefully, for our sake, uh, it's not going to be Seattle. That's who we don't want, and we know we can't play the Saints this weekend. We've already gone through that. Uh, we've gone through our level of confidence, things that worry us. The things that worry us are definitely the defense and especially the depth uh, part, which you you know so well pointed out. But we do have a lot of depth on offense, and it's really not so much depth at wide receiver or at a certain position except for running back. 
It's the fact that we have so many guys that can do so many different things, whether it's Kyle Juszczyk going out and catching a 30-yard pass or making a pitch, or Debo Samuel coming around the end and running for 20 yards and a touchdown. Emmanuel Sanders taking an end around and passing it to whoever it may be, George Kittle in the end zone for a touchdown. They're so dynamic. They're so deep with so many plays. That playbook that Kyle Shanahan's got has got to be used with a crane or something. I don't know how he lifts that thing up. There's so many plays in there, and it's been working all year. Yeah, versatility really is the name of the game on this offense, whether it's, you know, someone like Bronskill coming in and playing every position on the offensive line like he has done, started a tackle, played some guard, I think he played some center last game. Carl Juszczyk, you know, hits up someone where you look at other teams, the fullbacks on the field, they're running the ball. Juszczyk is on the field about 65 to 70% of the time. Right. So you can't go... Use checks on their past, they're, they're running the ball because that's just simply not the case half mm-hmm. the time. Yep. And so it's great that we can pick somebody and, you know, we find him. You know, people saying, oh, that's too much for a fullback. That's way overpaying for a fullback. Oh, no. Maybe John Lynch doesn't look so silly now. Um, <laughs> sure, we've overpaid for some players. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend, you know, however much we're paying. Jarrett McKinnon to sit in the physio room for two years isn't a lot but <laughs> we also had some hits and whether it's Juszczyk Emmanuel Sanders but the one for me the, the god amongst men on this team Mr. George Kittle oh, he my god. does everything. everything he might be the best blocker in the league and the best receiver in the league at the tight end position and that's the thing he, that's that's what set, set, I'm sorry, Jacob. That's what separates him from a lot of the other tight ends. Like, you know, Travis Kelsey, fantastic. Zach Ertz, fantastic. Got a lot of really good ones out there. Even Darren Waller came around this year. But that's the thing. He blocks as well as anyone, like an offensive lineman. He's got the best hands probably out of any of them. So he does it all. He does everything. He even takes end arounds. What tight end takes an end around? It doesn't happen. Yeah, it is crazy. And you look at, you know, he went to Iowa. And that's, you know, that's a, that's a run football scheme. You're not picking someone out of Iowa because they've run every route in the route tree. Right. But, <laughs> so I'm, I look at that and I'm thinking, okay, we're getting a good blocker. And then they do the spark test, which is you know, the test of athleticism. Mm-hmm. We all remember he was in the same draft class as Evan Ingram, who was, you know, going to be definitely a first-round pick, the most athletic tight end to come out of the year league in however long. And George Kittle led the tight end in spark score. So I look at that and I'm like, okay, this is an athletic blocking tight end. And then you see what he's actually able to do and, you know, has the single season tight end receiving record now, which when how young he is, is crazy. I think yeah. he might go on to break every tight end record there is. God bless. Let him stay healthy. Because like you said, that was one of the key things. His energy... It infuses the whole entire team, not just the offense, but the whole team. He gives that team energy. Him and Nick Bosa seem to be the heartbeat of that team, really, you know, on offense and defense. They and Nick Bosa already, as a rookie, is becoming the leader of the defense. It's just absolutely remarkable. This whole team has just come together so well. And I'll be the first to tell you, I'm surprised. I, I didn't see this coming at all. I really had no idea. And nor did... I expect them to make such a drastic change, which all revolved around Emmanuel Sanders in the middle of the season with that trade and turn into the team that they are now. No, the defense is not as good, but the offense is that much better and that much more dynamic. Yeah, for sure. It really, dynamic is 
is the right word. And what's really encouraging for me to see is the young players being the heartbeat of that team. Right, you know, yes. We all expected it to be Richard Sherman, which he is, don't get me wrong. Joe Staley, he is, don't get me wrong. But to see someone like George Kittle, who, you know, if if we get our way, is going to be with us for, you know, 10 years, 12 years. And what did we, we get him in the fifth round, was it? Is that how lucky we got? I can't remember. I, I remember... I remember they wanted him earlier. Yes. And then they, they picked somebody else, and then they couldn't believe he was still available, and they took him. Oh. I don't quite remember what round. That's exactly right. They That's... took they took CJ before him, which, yes. <laughs> you know, yes. is crazy when you look at it, when you look at it uh, at now. Of course. And, but it is, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really happy with that. And, yeah, on the defensive side, one thing maybe that does worry me that we've not really, really thought about yet is, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I'm seeing a couple of things here. The Browns are asking to interview Robert Saller. Oh, They're asking man. to interview McDaniel, the run game coordinator. They're asking to interview them. There's one other I can't remember. Is How much of a distraction is that going to be when, you know, I heard the Browns are going to fly in and try and interview this weekend. Look, I want us to be prepared for this for next weekend. I don't want them coming in and, and disrupting us and having, you know, people think about other teams. So how worried are you that I'm going to stick with Salah because he's, for me, would be the biggest loss. How are you? How worried are you that he might go somewhere else? And if he wants to go somewhere else, where, where would you go, I suppose? Well, I certainly am worried about him leaving because... Look, teams are going to want him. We've already seen firings, and there's more to come, probably in Dallas as another. So I'm afraid, yeah, because look, the guy, who wouldn't want to be a head coach for an NFL team? I mean, you'd have to be, you know, whatever the word is. So, of course, he wants to be a head coach. So I'm terrified of losing him like I was terrified when we lost Vic Fangio. Same type of thing. Losing coordinators are such an important thing. It allows the head coach to do his job so much easier for Kyle Shanahan, just to be able to concentrate on the offense and let Robert Sala do his thing on D. Look, I think that he's the type of guy that it's not going to bother him. He's not going to let it get to him. And I don't even know if he's going to take interviews this, this week. I'm not exactly sure. I haven't been up to date on that. But he seems like the kind of guy that really wouldn't get too involved and just concentrate on what's happening now because his resume already speaks for itself. If a team really wants him, he can have a quick chat and be like, all right, yeah, listen, when this is all over, I'll get back to you under the table type of deal. But I'm not worried about his focus going in because we really need it. We need him. He's like a part of the defense. He's like a player out there. Yeah. I, the thing that gives me a little bit of confidence is you look at the openings. Cleveland, Carolina, New yeah, the Giants. Right. Uh, Dallas to an extent, you know, with it sounds like it's that's you know, I don't know what's going on there, whether they're going to sack them, whether they're not. I think they are. They all scream to me of organizations that want to bring in that offensive mastermind because they, they've they all got players at the quarterback position, you know. Makes you've got sense. Daniel Jones, you've got Baker Mayfield, you've got Cam Newton if he does stay, you've got Dak Prescott. And so to bring in a defensive-minded head coach, to me, I, I'm not so sure that fits as well unless they've got that killer OC to go with him, which they might do. Uh, but for me, you know, if I'm Cleveland, you've got all that talent. Now bring in an offensive guy 
bring in Lincoln Riley, the man who made Baker Mayfield and the Heisman Trophy winner, going after Robert Salah, I don't know if that's the right move. Yeah, you know what? I pretty much agree with you there. They do need an offensive guy and a guy not that Robert Salah is not in control. He's very in control, but they probably want a Mike McCarthy type of guy who would who would probably fit well over there. Given you know he's won a Super Bowl and been around for a long time. Maybe him. Maybe Josh McDaniels, who's been a name waved around all over the place, even Carolina. So. Yeah, look, again, it, it's definitely going to worry me because we know that more guys down the pike are probably going to get fired, maybe a couple of more here and there. We can get into that in another show when it does happen. Um, but I'm not worried about his focus overall. And if he were to go somewhere, look, how could he not go to Dallas? That job's going to be open, okay? So whatever's going on right now, they're just trying to walk away amicably from Jason Garrett and not make it look like he's been fired and he's a plague and all that sort of stuff because he's not going to be a head coach ever again in this league. I would highly, highly doubt that. If, you know, they need a guy like a Robert Sala, and I think that would be the team that he would go to if he would go to any. And that would also make me sick. I'd throw up all over myself. <laughs> yeah, same. If I was, If I was to pick one, like if I'm Robert Sala, Dallas is the one for me. I think they've got the most pieces kind of ready to go almost they across do. the board. They've got some holes, don't get me wrong, but it's, and also, you know, it's Dallas. You know, you're going to get the spotlight. You're going to get primetime games. It doesn't matter how you're doing. You're going to get all that. And so it, it's an exciting opportunity. And it's one of those where, like, like you say, who doesn't want to be a head coach? You can't hold it against him if he does want to go. Of course. That's, absolutely fine but man i would love to keep him i would love to keep him and of course he's not going to go somewhere else and become a defensive coordinator somewhere else if he leaves it's going to be for a head coaching job but we all know that so it's just a matter of how far the niners go if he does want to stay what he's offered all that sort of stuff we'll see but god i'd love to keep him but we have to be realistic about it jacob he's not going to be around forever so whoever the next guy to come up is I really hope he's listening to Robert Sala very, very clearly, you know, because that's that's where I guess, you know, he learned it from Vic Fangio sort of thing. You know, it's got to go down the pike. And that's that's what we really need. That's what we need. So yeah. it's it's a scary thing, yeah. especially when, yeah, we have great players on defense. But like you mentioned, we're so thin right now. It's a tough thing. And again, God forbid we lose a guy like Nick Bosa or even an Eric Armstead in this in the playoffs. It, it, would, it would be a killer. It'd be it'd be it'd be a crush. It'd be a crush. Yeah. Can't yeah, have it. It man. really would. It really would. But uh, we're not going to think about that. We're not even going to put that. Out right, there. right, right. No bad energy. No bad energy. That is the other benefit of the number one seed. No one's getting injured this week. Other I know. Teams, they might do. I hope it doesn't happen. I don't want to wish injury on anybody. Of course. Of course. But if there's one team that isn't going to get injured, South San Francisco 49ers. Yep, and we need to be healthy. Again, we talked about the guys like D Ford and hopefully getting Quan Alexander back and Tart. We would love to get these guys back. They're all starters. It would be so important, and it would make such the world a difference. And, you know, it, it could be Philly. It could be Seattle. And uh, it could be Minnesota. We definitely know we don't want to be Seattle. And, uh, look, Minnesota, they're still a good team like we talked about, you know, but they have the more drop-back quarterback like Philly and Russell Wilson. Moves around. We just know we don't want Seattle. We'll take either of the other two teams, bring them in, just not Seattle, and let us go. Please, give us a break. We're going to find out next week, and that's one thing I can't wait for, to break down our first proper Niners preview game right here on the 49ers brawl. I can't wait. Absolutely, man. I can't wait. It's it's going to be great. It's going to be great going forward. I'm feeling really confident, Jacob. 
about the 49ers chances, you know, home field, all that stuff. It's beautiful. They got to come to us. And just the way that it turns out, again, I'm going to say that if it does come to pass, I I think the Saints are going to have a really tough time beating Green Bay in Green Bay if the weather is bad. I think it's going to be tough. And not to call the Saints a dome team. I'm not going to do that. I'm not that guy. They're an excellent team. They can win on the road. But it's just a little bit different going out there in the cold. We'll see how they handle it if it comes to that point. But we got a little bit to get there. Let's worry about step one first. Jacob, let's get healthy and let's go out there divisional round, whoever it may be, and wipe the floor with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can't wait. That's the way it's got to be done. And guys, for now, listen, this has been the first episode of the 49ers Brawl Podcast. We're going to have plenty more every week coming at you, especially all the way to the end of the Super Bowl, till after the 49ers win, and then some in the offseason. You're going to have 49ers all the time with us here on the 49ers Brawl Podcast. Jacob, tell them again where they can find you on Twitter and make sure you follow. This guy is a great follow, and his stories are amazing. So you can find me on Twitter at JBBFootball. Yeah, you want to follow me, I'll follow you back. You want to get in touch, DMs are open. Just hit me up. And yeah, if, uh, if anybody else is going to be in Miami making the trip to the Super Bowl, whether the Niners are there, whether they're not, let's, let's uh, be good to link up and, uh, and grab a drink and share some Niners stories. Uh, we're going to link up, man. There's no doubt about it. We are. We're going to have a lot of fun. And hopefully, again, it's with our team there. That We got the players. We got the coaches. We got the confidence. Let's go do it. Here we go. Guys, we'll be back next week again. A happy new year to everybody. This is the 49ers Brawl Podcast presented by the Brawl Network. Check us out on Twitter. We will follow you back like my man Jacob said. Jacob, again, a happy new year and a wonderful show, bro. Absolutely. Happy new year to you too. It's been a pleasure. It absolutely has been, sir. All right, guys. 49ers Brawl Podcast. We are out for now. We will see you next week. Thank you for tuning in.